Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, one thing I learned from my military time was belief in yourself must come from within. I mean, you have to see yourself as an overcomer in any situation you face, be it physical, emotional, whatever. That does not mean you have to go it alone. The military prides itself on teamwork. That type of training begins day one at basic training and continues all through your career. But for those who have not had their mindset strengthened by that type of training and those type of experiences, it's easy to lose sight of just how special you are in the eyes of God. It's easy to fall victim to life circumstances and, and begin to have a negative mindset about everything. Sometimes things happen to us that we have no control over. I mean, life happens, but it's especially important during those times where we need to see ourselves as overcomers, children of the most high God, victorious over circumstances, heirs of the kingdom. Amen. Our guest today helps women who've experienced adversity in their life to achieve success and to improve their mindset. Robin Sears became a wife and mother at the age of 17. She was focused on raising and nurturing her family until, at the age of 34, she found herself divorced and having skills, almost no skill sets to fall back on. It was at this time that she entered the workforce and faced challenges there. But her desire to provide for her three children, the challenges she faced, including difficulties with her first boss, all combined to increase the pressure, the pressures and apprehension that she was facing basically on a daily basis, at least until God brought her together with a couple who owned a thriving business who became her mentors. Through their guidance and support, she was able to grow spiritually, personally, and professionally. Amen. Robin Sears eventually formed Above and Not Beneath to help and coach single mothers who are looking to improve their lives through personal and professional development. If you're a single mother out there, Perhaps someone who survived domestic abuse, sex trafficking, poverty, etc. You need to pay special attention to our interview today. Robin's going to be explaining some things for us that will inspire you, will help you to see the opportunities God is making available to you, to help you achieve more and experience personal and professional success. Amen. Help me welcome to the program the founder of Above Only and Not Beneath, Robin Sears. Robin, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Robert. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Robin Sears? Oh, yeah. That's always <laughs> such a great question, right? And uh, and and uh, a challenging one um, at that. But I think first and foremost, um, throughout my life, what I, uh, I think the way to answer that question is, I am first and foremost a daughter of the king. Amen. And it, it took a lot of adversity for me to be able to fully embrace that and to recognize uh, 
that that is my actual identity. My identity is not what the world says. It's not what social media says. It's not what all these external um, pressures say, but I am first and foremost a daughter of the king. Um, all that to say, my uh, my husband and I, my husband of almost 10 years, um, and I uh, live outside of Atlanta. We are the privileged parents of uh, five combined children. We have three granddaughters and two grandsons on the way. So we're uh, we were empty nesters, and then all of a sudden, we're our families uh, expanding and, and exploding, and we're incredibly grateful for that. I look forward to entering into that role a little more fully where uh, we know things are going to change. We're already like, how are we going to put a car seat in this car? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful season to be in. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, tell us how life started out, you know, married at the age of 17 and what was life like at that point in your life? Yeah, that um, it was, uh, it was, scary. Um, it was, there was, I think a lot of fear there, uncertainty. Um, my, uh, my parents and my husband's parents were actually very supportive of us. So we did have, um, family support, which a lot of women don't have. A lot of women that, um, I do work with don't have that kind of family support. So we're blessed in that way. Um, but there were, there was a lot of, um, I, I wanted to be a mother. So just, just a little sooner than expected. Uh, so I did, and I was able, we lived with my, uh, my parents for a while, able to stay home and raise my son. Um, and then subsequently had two more children and there. So I fully was really able to embrace the, embrace the life of being a stay at home mother, which, um, you know, is not for everyone. I know some people really struggle with that, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. I loved it. Um, but there were a lot of things, uh, aside from being the mother that were really challenging in my marriage. And I was not married to a believer and, uh, really prayed that God would change his heart and his life and the choices that he was making. Uh, however, what often happens is that we change And, um, God did a lot of work in me so that, you know, I think he was really preparing me to be able to, um, stand on my own and to support my children. Um, because over the course of 17 years, um, a lot of the adversity and the relationship challenges that I faced with my husband prepared me for, uh, for work, prepared me for, um, difficult conversations. And so, uh, in, you know, in reflection, life is always great when you reflect, right? Because you can, you have the choice to pull out the things in life, the positive lessons that you've learned. That's not to say that we take all of the hurt and the pain and we sweep it under the rug and we don't acknowledge it because it's certainly there. But, um, I have done a lot of like work and personal development and healing to be able to reflect on my life and pull out the goodness that has come from those things. Um, part of the messaging that I received was like, I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't capable. Um, and you know, those things, you know, you get told them often enough and you start to believe them and 
part of the work that I think God was doing in my life was for me to recognize that I was believing lies and those lies were impacting the way I viewed myself and my role as a mother, that it, being a stay-at-home mom wasn't good enough. You know, I think a lot of people in society do look down on that and, you know, why, why? Um, so, um, I think, you know, God prepared, prepared me, um, uh, and really built a lot of empathy and compassion in me. Um, because when I transitioned from being a stay-at-home mom into the workforce with three kids, one in elementary, one in middle school, one in high school, mm-hmm. I was commuting, uh, from outside Atlanta and it, if anybody's been to Atlanta, <laughs> that's no small feat, uh, but to try to juggle three children and activities and um, trying not to change as much for them as possible, because I was always the mom in the bleacher and the doing and the arranging and the coordinating, and I couldn't do that anymore. So a lot changed for them. And, you know, my effort to, well, nothing can change. Well, that leads to burnout. And it leads to frustration and it leads to, um, and throughout all of this, God was teaching me to have empathy and compassion and forgiveness for myself, that I am not perfect, nor should I strive for perfection. And when I finally was able to let that go, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I can't, I can't do this. I need help. He taught me how to ask for help, how to accept help. And as a single mother sitting in that, you feel like you're sitting in the boat alone, literally, um, because friends walk away from you. People get weird when you're like, you know, I'm getting divorced and all of a sudden you lose half of your community. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, all of those things, God was teaching me something important and valuable. And so kind of where I am today is um, I, uh I, gosh, I guess maybe about five years ago, I really started digging into um, the personal development and workforce skills. And uh, I went to Emory and I took an executive coaching certification and I've just really been digging into um, mindset and, and our neurology and how it is so fascinating when you think about the complexity with the, how we were created. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And mirror neurons and how like my mood and behavior, I can say nothing, but because we're in the same room and we're facing each other, my mirror neurons will affect yours or yours will affect mine. And it's just so fascinating. And then this awareness of how my body was created, how, you know, this, we're this intensely complicated uh, chemical cocktail of all yeah. the things. Um, the awareness of that allowed me um, to stop becoming so reactive and um, emotionally driven and helped me stop and pause. You know, like we always hear power of the pause. Well, it's really hard to pause. <laughs> right? That is a muscle you have to work at the power of the pause. Um, so I think, you know, to shift from reactivity into responsiveness and to be intentional with response instead of reactive. One thing I found on your website, which, which really hit home for me was where you were talking about a couple that had mentored you and, and you learned the pursuit of perfection creates stress. Yeah, embracing 
mistakes, embracing your mistakes fosters genuine growth. Explain that for us. Sure. Um, I, uh, the story impacted me so much. Like sometimes I get emotional telling it still. Um, but I, in my marriage, perfection was a thing. Everything had to be perfect. And so when I went to work and like everything had to be perfect, I had to show up perfect, perfectly. Like I had to dress a certain way. I had to, you know, I was so like, you know, my desk had to be just right. I had to, you know, check all the boxes and, um, and I found myself like, you know, like your body tense, like your tense, your shoulders, like they become earrings, right? Like, well, you know, (laughs) that's not necessary. And I'll never forget. I was new, new in the role. And I made a mistake and my, my boss, I'm sitting at my desk. My boss comes over to me and he's like, oh, Hey, like, like I noticed this happened and, you know, next time do X, Y, Z instead. And, um, you know, he was so nonchalant about the fact that I had made a mistake and I thought my mistake was huge. I had blown it up in my mind to this gigantic thing. I'm like, I'm going to lose my job. Because the messaging was like my ex-husband used to say to me, if you worked for me, I would fire you. So I had this idea in my, I was like, I'm going to get fired because I made a mistake. And the way he spoke to me, it was so kind. And so it's not a big deal. It's just a mistake. And so empathetic. I literally was dumbstruck. I didn't have any words because his kindness overpowered me. And I'll never forget him just casually turn around and walking away. And I was kind of sitting in my cubicle and behind my monitor. And I slunk down in my chair and I started to cry. Mm. And I cried because I was like, here's this man who is my boss. And I made a mistake. And he just showed me that mistakes are no big deal. It's okay to make a mistake. And subsequently I would make other mistakes and some funny ones. And he taught me how to laugh at myself when I made a mistake (laughs) because I didn't know how to do that either. Um, And his wife just really spoke a lot of strength and courage and um, empowerment into my life uh, to recognize like, it's okay to stand up for myself. Um, and it was just a, a, they're just a beautiful, and they also modeled, um, what a wonderful, healthy relationship looked like. And the interesting thing too, is that they are not believers. Amen. 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 Now you mentioned something a minute ago, the power of the pause, explain that for us and how does it work? Sure. So I think there's these two, uh, most, you know, most humans, all humans, right. We, we operate in two, two facets. We are reactive or we are responsive and reactive is this emotionally driven response where your body, um, you know, have you ever had that conversation with somebody and you're, uh, you feel like the tension or you have to get your point in and, um, and, and you're just, it responding out of emotion. When we take a deep breath and we stop and we pause that, uh, it switches our brains. So our, our prefrontal cortex, our executive decision-making lives in the front, right? The reactivity lives in, you know, it lives in the back. They call it the primal brain, but you know, whatever does that actually mean? 
So it allows your thought process to, to switch and it allows when we take a deep breath and we pause in the moment when we feel ourselves becoming reactive and we take a deep breath, it allows executive decision-making logic and reason to step in and say, what is, and get curious, what is this person actually saying to me? Why am I feeling reactive here? And I think that curiosity helps us and we can't get there without pausing, without asking ourselves some questions, without saying, you know, you said this to me and I'm not really sure what you, what you mean here because I'm feeling a certain way about it. But that's telling me I need to know more. So I think the pause allows us to engage with empathy, compassion, curiosity, um, so that we're not like, we don't have to be right about all the things. So that goes along, I think with uh, what you share in your coaching program about focus, reflect, and refine. Share those three steps with us and what they mean. Yeah. So I think, you know, we can't, we can't focus without actually stopping and taking some time to um, what it, what are we, what are we doing? What do we want? And if we don't really know what we want in life or what we want to happen in an outcome, we're just in that reactive mode, right? We are reacting to what life sends to us instead of stopping to focus and say, okay, what is it that I actually want here? Like maybe it's a a work situation. What is it that I actually want here? And just writing down, like, what is it, what would be my ideal outcome here? Reflecting on our behaviors. What behaviors have gotten me kind of into this sticky situation? Mm -hmm. Amen. How do we refine and make changes? We can't do that without reflecting. We can't focus without, you know, pausing. So I think the three things really go hand in hand. If we um, want to stop becoming reactive in life and we want to start becoming responsive and proactive. And when we really stop and pause and think, you know, what do I want here? How am I going to achieve this? What changes do I need to make? And, you know, for instance, responding, maybe you have a difficult relationship with a boss. Well, relationships are two-sided. What is your side? You can only own your side and change the way that you respond to somebody because you have actual control over that, but you don't have control if you're reactive. You only have control if you choose responsiveness and you can't choose responsiveness without pausing. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Amen. And you share uh, that you help women to strengthen what you refer to as three mental muscles. What are those muscles and how do you strengthen them? Yeah. So I think um, I, I enjoy, there's a, a methodology, coaching methodology, and it's called positive intelligence. And what I really under, what I really enjoy about this work is that it helps you understand um, the things that are getting in, in your way. And the things that are getting in your way, um, he calls them saboteurs. And 
Uh, so strengthening the mental muscles are about acknowledging uh, what we're allowing to get into our, in, in our way. So for instance, um, I, we all have the judge, right? So the judge, we're judging ourselves, we're judging circumstances, and we're judging others. So strengthening the muscle, mental muscle is, is awareness of that. It's learning to stop and pause and ask yourself, well, why am I being so hard on myself here? What's driving that? And learning to change our responsiveness. So it really kind of goes back into its awareness, it's stopping to pause, and it's moving into, I'm going to choose a different way to respond here. So um, there's, there's there's kind of a fun assessment. When I very first took the assessment, Um, I was like, this is silly. And this is not at all any this. I don't resonate with this at all. And then I started doing a little digging and a little reflection. I thought there's a lot of truth here. And um, so two of the things that I struggled with are restlessness and avoidance. So um, now I can kind of laugh at myself when I feel these things surfacing, because part of building this mental muscle is learning about the, re- the relationship between your emotions and the things that you're telling yourself and the way your body responds. So, um, because your thoughts fuel your emotions and your body actually will tell you that you're feeling something emotionally before your brain actually has the ability to pinpoint which emotion it is. So it sounds like you, when you were going through this, you paused, mm. focused on what you were looking at, reflected on how it applied, and then refined your attitude towards it. Absolutely. So you put those steps right into practice. Absolutely. Man. And I, I, along the way, I've learned to like laugh at myself. Restless avoidance is um, like the positive side of that is like, I can change plans easily. I'm not one of those people that get really upset when plans change last minute. Um, I'm flexible and adaptable. Uh, But the other side of it is I can also chase the shiny penny. And I love to start things, but not necessarily finish them. (laughs) Right. So, you know, there are uh, positives to each one. But the way I've learned to stop when I'm feeling restless is because I can feel it in my body. I feel it way up here. And it kind of feels a little bit fluttery, slightly like if you've ever experienced anxiety, that's also where I feel some anxiety. And when I feel it, I'm like, "Hmm, what's going on here? Why am I trying to avoid this? Why do I feel restless here? Is it because I don't have enough information and I can't complete the task because I feel like I don't know enough? Is it because I actually don't have the skill to complete the task? Maybe I need to take a class or, you know, watch some YouTube videos or phone a friend who might have this skill. What's, what is the root cause of this avoidance of this restlessness? And when I've been able to stop and like do a little journaling, I find areas where I'm like, Robin, you're just being silly here because you actually know how to do three of these four parts. It's why are we stopping here? Cross, cross the finish line, friend, you could do it. Um, so it's really learning to like, what is my body telling me? I feel stress right here. I feel shame in my left rib cage. Um, 
the the way that we have been created and the way that our minds and our emotions are created, it's so complex, but the signs are there. God has given us this unique ability to sense that there's something brewing. And if I stop long enough and ask myself, what in the world is going on with me today? You'll come up with an answer. So uh, what you're saying is there's some ways that we can take basically a, a stressful situation and turn it around from a problem to an advantage, correct? Absolutely. I totally think so. Amen. Amen. And that includes journaling and things like that? Journaling. um, I, some of the things that I have implemented over the last couple of years is really like 90 seconds of just focus. Mm -hmm. It's a gentle focus, sit in a chair, maybe close my eyes. Maybe I don't. And just do some breathing, allow my thoughts to sort of filter without, you know, grabbing a hold of one, but just to, take myself from that, all the thoughts that swirl and to come into like, okay, well, what's happening today? What's right in front of me. And God gave us breath yeah, and breath is powerful. And it has the ability to calm our racing minds. It has the ability to reduce stress. It has the ability to stop anxiety. Amen. Amen. So you help a lot of single single mothers, you know, the same situation you were in. Yeah. And one of the things you do is you in, try to encourage businesses to invest in the single mother community. Yeah. Are there advantages for businesses to do so? You'd think it'd be difficult, you know, because, uh, you know, the single mom is the only one that can take the kid to the doctor and all this yeah. other stuff. How yeah. Does that work? You know, um, a lot of single moms that I work with are frontline workers, organizations, They spend a lot of money hiring people. The cost of hiring is staggering. It is at least one time the amount of salary. And the further up the chain you go, it can be upwards of, you know, C-suite four or five times the amount of salary to hire somebody. Why wouldn't you want to keep someone that you've already hired and trained? Exactly. Yeah. So yes, of course, it's challenging to have single mothers in the workforce because you're right. They're oftentimes the only person that can do the doctor's visit and the only person who can do whatever it is, uh, stay at home. If there's a sick child, you've already invested in them offering compassion. When those situations arise costs you nothing offering flexibility in the workforce. And like, Hey, Joey's sick today. Can I work from home? In a lot of organizations, the majority of um, industry, there's an option where, I mean, I worked in the insurance industry for a very long time. I could have done my job from home. It could have been flexible, but they chose for it to not, not to be. So I do think that there are some benefits to, you know, the world shutting down and that organizations have become more flexible. And just allowing those things to continue. Let's not cut our noses off to spite our face. You have a talent pool here who actually can be the future, you know, the future of this organization. Why would you penalize them because their child is sick? Yeah, I I believe that COVID uh, helped actually grow businesses a little bit more because now 
they could downsize the big offices and you know the the top three floors of the office building we we can get by with one you know? so which allows them make more profit and and that allows them to to survive economic downturns and stuff like that where before they may be on the ropes but yeah absolutely yep. absolutely and and the single mothers if you stop and think about it they are in a position where you know they're going to work hard Mm-hmm. to do well and keep their job and get promotions Absolutely. and things like that. They're yeah. motivated. Yeah, exactly. And when I, when I speak at business conferences on leadership and things like that, that's one of the, one of the topics I can talk about is, you know, train from within, you know, mm-hmm. you have, you know, you hire someone as a receptionist. Once they get that job down, start cross training them as the assistant office manager and then the office manager goes on vacation for two weeks or goes in for surgery and is gone for a month. You don't have to call in a temp and take time and train them. And Just, okay, you're going to take over that role now. And then if that person does get promoted to another position, you, you're, you already know how to do this. You're new, new office manager. And what do you do? Hire a new receptionist and start to process all over again. Right. And I think there's so much wisdom to that, right? Cross training. And I think it also allows people who maybe haven't had an opportunity to explore a different role or field in an organization um, to say, you know what, I'm actually curious about, you know, this division. Is there an opportunity for me to cross train over there? Because I really have a lot of fascination with, you know, whatever it might be, IT or, you know, manufacturing or, or what have you. And I think organizations miss a lot by not doing the cross training because you, you know, you think about somebody who's been in an organization for 10 years, when they leave all of that knowledge base that they have taken with them yep. is financially irreplaceable. Exactly. Exactly. Amen. Amen. You know, not all women are in the same situation that you were in. Right. So if someone comes to you uh, for assistance, things like that, do you have an assessment program or something that, that they can take before you start to help them so that you know where their needs are at? Sure. Sure. Yep. I have, um, I have a, a survey that they can take and um, I always like to start first with stress reduction because I don't care if you're married, single kids, no, no kids, how old you are. We all struggle with stress mm-hmm. and stress is a, it affects our health. It affects our mental health. It affects our relationships. I always like to start with like, let's learn how to reduce our stress load. Yeah. Amen. Um, so yes, I have an assessment. Um, I like to help people learn how to laugh at themselves when they're coming across like, Oh, I was really reactive here. And I botched that situation because there's a powerful opportunity when we make mistakes to go back to that person in genuine relationship to say, I made a mistake here and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that happens enough. Oh, I thought that, you know, husbands were there to relieve the stress. You know, I mean, that's why I tell my wife. You know, <laughs> you know yes, and yes, and Robert. I think there's definitely um, an, an opportunity that that is true, but I think the opposite can be true as well. <laughs> yeah, if you ask her, in most cases, it's the opposite. <laughs> but you're also a podcaster, correct? 
I am. I'm a podcast. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Above and Up Beneath, and that comes from Deuteronomy twenty eight thirteen, and also it's uh, a uh, kind of a derivative of a prayer that my mother used to say over my sister and I, and she would say, "You are the head and not the tail. You are above and up beneath, and blessed are the fruits of your labor." Yeah, amen. And um, when I really started, I uh, honestly, God called me to this. And I had one of the clearest uh, encounters with God I've ever had in sitting in church. And I like, I had this plan, plan, right? God kind of laughs at plans and I've like, <laughs> got this plan and I'm going to start, you know, this at the end of May and I'm, you know, doing some things and it was February and I was praying at church and I heard God say to me, stop running from what I've called you to. Because I had to do all these other things before I started, right? Like that's my avoider is I have to like do all these other things and check all these other boxes and learn all these things. And God was like, no, I I called you to this. So stop running from it. And it's like, okay. Well, the very next day he closed a pivotal door that I was hanging all my plans on. And I was like, oh, like he didn't mean at the end of May, he meant right now. <laughs> so I did, I started a podcast, uh, it's called above, not beneath. And the goal really is to provide encouragement and resources to women. And really that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, open for everybody, but I, um, a lot of my guests are women who tell, have told their stories and, um, they can share as little or much of that as they want to. But I always ask at the end, um, for them to share some words of encouragement to somebody who's maybe, you know, five years behind where they are right now. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes I feel like women who are in the middle of crisis, they are afraid of community because they don't want anybody to know what's going on. So they're not asking for help. And I do think that podcasts have an opportunity to speak life and to speak community into people so that they feel seen and heard. It's like, honey, I was there you know, this, these are some of the challenges and here I am today. And those challenges taught me these things. Um, and then I also am interviewing nonprofits who are serving these women. Um, and I, because there are so much good that's happening in the world and there are so many organizations and people who are really trying to make an impact in the lives of others. And it's really fun and such a joy to hear their stories and to hear what they're doing and how they're making a difference. We are surrounded by so much negativity in the world. I'm like, I don't have anything to do with that. It's there. Like I can acknowledge that, but I really want to share like encouragement and resources and positivity. And I've met so many interesting folks from all over the world who are doing incredible things. I love podcasting because it it's, networking but at the same time as you said you're interviewing people who help your audience yeah what they're doing you know yeah. and, and sometimes it takes other people to say oh that sounds just like me oh wow and they can do all that you know it just gives them a little bit of encouragement to take that next step anyway. right and that's all it is right it's taking that one next you don't have to conquer everything in a day that's right, that that's one right. next step to take care of yourself and oftentimes it's to protect yourself or to protect your children stepping out of a dangerous situation. Um, but it's the, I think we have an opportunity to breathe, breathe life into others this way. 
Robin, this is so interesting. It's also needful in this day and time in which we live. If someone has a question or they'd like to receive more information on your program, how do you recommend they get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, two best ways. My website, abovenotbeneath.org. I'm also on Instagram and it's above not beneath coach. And you're welcome to send me a DM or, um, on my website. I also have an opportunity to book a discovery call. So if you're just curious and you want to have a chat, I'm always open to that. Amen. Amen. I'll put links to all this in the show notes below. Folks, if what Robin has been sharing with us today has touched your heart, I want you to drop down the show notes and get in touch with her right now. Right now, while you're thinking about it, don't put it off. You know, you know, the devil will try and make you forget all about it. Do it right now. It takes a minute. Do it right now. Get in touch with her right now while you're thinking about it. Even if you're not seeking assistance, perhaps you can help in, in funding the funding of her effort in this outreach. I mean, I mean, every person can do something to help. You've heard me say it before. You know, there are those that go, there's those that help those that go, and there, there are those that pay for those that go. Amen. And I'm sure Robin can use the extra help and, and financial gifts in her outreach in this very needful area. I also know that someone listening to us right now needs to get in touch with Robin because the situation you're in right now is not a good one. You need to talk to someone who's been there and done that. Okay. And that's Robin. Amen. Drop down the show notes. Reach out to Robin Sears right now while you're thinking about it. Don't let the devil have the last say. You are a child of the Most High God as well, and he's equipped Robin to be able to minister to you right now. Drop down the show notes. Reach out to her right now. Robin, thank you for taking the time to come on the program today and share all about your great organization, Above and Not Beneath. I do appreciate your time that you shared with us today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Robin Sears, myself, Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.